Hallelujah. Remain standing. We got a lot to do, a little bit of time to do it. Amen. Grab your Bibles right there where you are. I got three scriptures for you. Not three portions of scripture, just three scriptures. But they're in different places. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want you to go to Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 3. Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 3. After that, I want you to go to Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 3. And after you find Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 3, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19. Hallelujah. Three scriptures, three different places. It'll be my responsibility to connect them. Amen. And with the help of the Lord, I will do that. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 3. When you have it, shout amen. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the Word of the Lord says it so. And this is after God tells Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses says, a rod. And then God answered him and said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. Watch this now. And Moses fled from before it. And Moses ran from what God had put in his hand. Amen. That's going to be significant. Now go to Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 3. Listen to what it says. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So watch this. Moses ran and Jonah ran. Are you with me so far? All right, let's go to the last one, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19. This is, a, this is an interesting one. Amen. Then Joseph, her husband, this is Mary's husband. This is Joseph's reaction after Mary says, I'm pregnant and it's not your baby, it's God's. And this is his reaction. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. And so Joseph was getting ready to run. Are you understanding where I'm going so far? And so here it is. I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, stop running from your gift. Stop running. That's a lot of people. Right? Stop running from your gift. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, add blessing to your word now and minister to your people in a mighty and in a powerful way. We give you glory now in advance for what you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you are in the house and you're visiting, hallelujah, we thank God for you. And we welcome you into the house of the Lord today. We are excited. Amen. All right. Well, let's go to work, church. Hallelujah. When I thought about these three men that God dropped in my spirit, amen, I wanted to call these, I wanted to really call this message uh, memoirs from three runners. But uh, I decided to focus in on, on the gift because this is the season that we're in. Amen. And so it's only right to talk about gifting. Amen. And so watch this. When I thought about these three men, I thought about a parable. I'm not going to go to the text. Most of you are familiar with this parable. It is the parable of the talents. Amen. Anybody familiar with the parable of the talents? Amen. When we look at the parable of the talents, you understand that these are gifts or talents that are entrusted, watch this, unto three men. Watch this, who are supposed to uh, manage something they possess but do not own. They're supposed to manage something that they possess but they do not own it. And so watch this. I want to submit to everybody in this place that if you are a blood-washed child of God, you have a gift and a talent, watch this, from God that you've been called to manage. You possess it, but you do not own it. You have it, but it's not for you. Are you in this place so far? And so I want to submit to you, watch this, that if you invest into it, it will turn around and bless you. I said your gift will bless you if you are invested into it. Amen? And if you know this parable like I do, you know that two of them, two out of the three, wasted no time investing into what they had received. 
they didn't waste any time. They started immediately to invest in what they received, and they re received an increase. But one of them did not invest. He sat on it. And because of that, it yielded no, no increase. And so let me help somebody in here. If you're not going to do anything, don't expect anything. Hallelujah. If you're not willing to do anything, do not expect anything. How many of you in this place know that our potential is a gift from God? And what we do with that potential is our gift back to him. Did you catch what I just said? Our potential is a gift from God. And what we do with that potential is actually our gift back unto him. Let me put it to you another way. What we do with what we have determines our view of God. I said what we do with what we have determines our view of God. Notice, watch this, two out of the three men came back excited. One of them said, you gave me five talents, I brought five more. Because he brought five more, watch this, the, the Lord increased his resources. Not only did he increase his resources, he increased his responsibilities. Not only did he increase his responsibilities, watch this now, he increased his opportunities. How many of you are familiar with this, with this parable? So watch this, the one that brought two, same thing. God increased him as well. But the one that didn't do anything had a poor view of God, or at least a limited view of God. Because he recognized that God was a shrewd manager, but that's it. And so he basically said, because I know who you are, I did nothing. And so watch this, he's almost blaming God. And so he blames God and then buries his blessing. And can I submit to you that if you ever make that mistake, the same will happen to you. If you blame God, you bury your blessing. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. I will submit to you that a faulty view of God always makes excuses. I said a faulty view of God always makes excuses. I like the two men in this story, hallelujah, because they were determined to make a profit. Two of them were determined to make a profit. One was determined not to take a loss. Two of them were determined, watch this, to work really hard and take some risk. One of them was too intimidated and too scared to take any risk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Two of them viewed, watch this, their gifts as an opportunity. And one of them viewed their gift as a potential problem. Amen, somebody. Two of them viewed the master's gift enough to allow the gift to touch and change their lives. But the one didn't even permit the gift to touch nor change his life. Two of them saw the gift as a blessing. One of them saw the gift as a burden. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. He wanted to be blessed for being cautious. But God is looking to bless you for service. I ain't getting no amens right there. I got a few that's right. So I'll take them. Hallelujah. Here's what I learned out of this story. And you better catch this. Someone will always do what you were supposed to do. God, help me in this place. If you know that story like I do, he took the talent from the one that didn't do anything with it, and he gave it to the one that did the most. Isn't that something? He gave it to the busiest one. God likes busy people. I said, God, see what we would have done is give it to the one who brought only two back because he don't have that much on his plate. But that's not how God thinks. God says, I like busy people because busy people know how to get things done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But what I learned out of this text is simply this. Someone will always do what you were supposed to do. It's still going to get done if you make the decision not to do it. But you were supposed to do it. Are you in this place, church? If you're in here, shout glory. And so watch this. In the same way this parable is about three men, I want to talk to you about three men real quick. Hallelujah. Can I do it? The first one that I want to talk to is very special. Hallelujah. Uh, his name is Moses. How many of you are familiar with Moses? And, you know, we could talk about Moses for weeks. Amen. So I'm going to try to do this very quickly because I got two other guys I want to talk about very quickly. Amen. So watch this. Uh, we're talking about a man who for a good part of his life, his life is hidden. This man was sought after, hallelujah, by the enemy. Watch this. On one occasion, he was hidden under a sink. And what I want to illustrate by that is simply this. His life was hidden. 
Amen, somebody. His purpose was hidden. His destiny was hidden. His greatness was hidden. Are you in this place? Not only was it hidden, because of it, he was abandoned. I said he was abandoned. And we can argue that his mother had no choice, hallelujah, because they were looking for him. But here's his mother. She takes the little baby. She puts him in a little ark, in a little basket, and she sends that basket down the Nile River. And I, I mean, that sounds crazy because I begin to think about, my God, there's probably some wild animals in that Nile River. Are, are there crocodiles in there, serpents in there? Why is it that something is not attacking the basket? Why is it that something's not tipping the basket over in order to get at that child? Are you hearing what I'm saying? But then I begin to understand something as God began to minister to me and tell me, watch this, whatever I call, I protect. God, help me in here. Whatever I call, I protect. And when you're really called and when you're really gifted, watch this, you will float through things that should have devoured you. I said, you will, I wish I had somebody that could testify. Hallelujah. You will float through things that should have devoured you. Hallelujah. Not only is he abandoned, watch this, he is adopted. He is adopted, he's found by, watch this, Pharaoh's daughter, and he is adopted into the Egyptian family. The only problem with that is he's Hebrew by birth. And so watch this, what you have now is a confused individual because he's probably asking himself, what culture do I belong to? What family do I belong to? What God am I supposed to serve? I, I don't know who I am, I'm having an identity crisis. I feel like some kind of mutt. Hallelujah. His name means, watch this, drawn out. Moses means drawn out. And watch this, oftentimes anybody who has greatness on the inside of them, that greatness needs to be drawn out. Are you hearing me? And so watch this, hallelujah. Sometimes your greatness is drawn out by other great people. This is why it matters who you have around you, because the greatness of others can actually pull and tug at the greatness that's inside of you. Amen, somebody. Uh, on another note, hallelujah, sometimes it's the attack against your life that actually brings out the best out of you. If I had time, I would talk to you about Job, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Job don't know how great he is, hallelujah, until the attack hits his life, amen. The Bible says concerning Samson that a lion roared. And when the lion roared, the Spirit of God came upon Samson. Sometimes you don't know what's in you until you hear the lion roar. I said, sometimes you don't know what's in you until a lion starts roaring. And it's not until an attack comes, hallelujah, that all of a sudden the best that's in you begins to manifest hallelujah how many of you know that this Moses is the type of Moses hallelujah who makes the mistake to take matters into his own hands uh, nobody's saying amen but we've been there hallelujah when, when he takes matters into his own hands watch this he makes a mess when you put those matters in God's hands he makes a message yeah, yeah. Because Moses takes matters into his own hands, watch this now, hallelujah, he ends up leaving Egypt. He is on the run. He is now a fugitive. Now, he's in the wilderness for years. I don't even got time to talk about all that. But here's what he decides to do. He decides, you know what, I got to start another life. And so he determines, you know what, I'm just going to live a normal life. But that's hard for somebody who has greatness on the inside of them. I hope I'm preaching to the right group of people today. So watch this. We can, we can defend Moses because we can determine that the reason he's living a normal life is because he has yet to discover the greatness that's on the inside of him. But my question today is, what's your excuse? Because if you're in this place and you know that there's greatness on the inside of you, why are you satisfied with trying to live normal? When normal is not who you are. When normal is not who God called you to be. God, help me here. My Bible says that we are a peculiar people. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah. And so watch this. You know the story. God appears to him in a burning bush. And the voice of the Lord comes from that fire, hallelujah, and draws Moses near. And begins to tell Moses, there's greatness on the inside of you, and I'm going to use it. And you know what Moses does? He does what most of us do when we, are, when we are confronted with the gift or the call of God that's on our life. We try to avoid it. 
Come on, somebody. And so he begins to make excuses. And since I got to hurry up, let me give you the excuses very quickly. Excuse number one was, I'm not good enough. Here it is. Put it up there. My first point, hallelujah, very quickly. I'm unfit. I'm unfit for this. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not, have you ever been there? I, I am not good enough. The text says, watch this in Exodus 3 and 11. You got to read Exodus chapter 3 to see all these excuses. All five of them are there. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I am unfit. To which God replies, yes, I know that you are unfit, but I am going with you. So there goes the answer to the first excuse, okay? I hope you're listening, hallelujah. Uh, I am going with you. Can I just submit to you very quickly that that is the best thing that could happen when you endeavor, hallelujah, to find or go after your destiny, that the presence of God will go with you. I love him, hallelujah, because he's not just the God that sends you. He's the God that sends you and then determines, and I'm going with you. Later, Moses catches it, and he says, it. Uh, God tells him, I'm going to send an angel. He said, I don't send an angel. If you don't go, I ain't going because I want to make sure that when I launch out onto the deep you are going with me because you are Jehovah Shammah. You are the Lord that is there. You are a very present help in the time of trouble. You are the God that will never leave me nor forsake me and lo I am with you always until the end. I am going with you. And I don't know about you but for some of you that would have been enough. Like, Woo, let's go. You coming with me? That's all I need to know. But not Moses. Not Moses. Moses had a second excuse. That wasn't enough. So, he, so here he comes with excuse number two. I don't have all the answers. I can't launch out into the deep because I am, put it up there, untaught. I am not fully trained. I don't have all the answers. Come on, have you ever been there? Hallelujah. He goes on to say, watch this, then Moses said unto God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? When they start to question what I'm doing, when they start to question why I'm here, who do you think you are? What am I supposed to tell them? And God said, watch this. When they ask you who sent you, tell them I am that I am sent you. You know, that's, you know I'm listening. If I'm, if I'm Moses, I'm like, what? Tell, tell them what? Tell them I am. In other words, watch this, hallelujah. You can't just, you can't tell them a specific thing because if you tell them that I'm, that I'm one thing, then they won't know that I'm another. If you go ahead and you make the mistake to tell them that I'm bread, then they won't know that I'm water. If you go over there and you tell them that I'm water, then they won't know that I'm a way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you can't limit me by telling them one specific thing. Tell them that, that I am God is sending you. That I am whatever you need at the time you need it kind of God. That kind of God is sending you. Give them the I am's of the book of John. Let me give you an example. I am the bread of life. Let them know that your sustenance is sending you, the one who feeds you. Come on, somebody, hallelujah. The one who is your provision. Tell them that uh, the light, I am the light of the world is sending you. Let them know, watch this, hallelujah, that I'm not just a light, I'm the light. Let them know that I won't just light up a room, I am the light of the whole world. Come on, somebody. Let them know that I am the one that in the beginning said, let there be light, hallelujah, and darkness was dispelled and things came into order. I am the one that when I I show up darkness is dispelled when I show up ignorance fades hallelujah at the revelation or the entrance of my light or my word you can't sit here and say you have a revelation if you're not putting things in order because the reason he turned the lights on in the beginning was so that things could come into order are you hearing what I'm saying tell them that I am sent you he's not just the light of the world he's the door the Bible says he's the door. I'm the one that gives you entrance in, in, entrance in, and I'm the one that can also lead you out. 
I'll give you entrance unto me. I'll give you entrance unto my kingdom. Hallelujah. But I'm also the one that will give you an exit out of your situation and out of your problem. I am the door. The kingdom of God is huge, but it only has one door. And that door has a name. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the door. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he is the good shepherd. I like that too because it doesn't just say that he's a shepherd. It is specific. It says he's the good shepherd. He's the one who gives his life for the sheep. He's the one that dies for you. You ought to praise him right there. He's the one that died for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's the one that leads you. He's the one that guides you with his voice. My sheep know my voice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he's also the one that protects you. He has a rod, hallelujah. And the rod is not to beat sheep. The rod is to beat wolves when they mess with the sheep. He is my protector and my guide. He also said, I am the resurrection. I'm the one that stood up. I'm the one that got up when they thought it was all over. And I listen, I, I'm the one that got up and I'm the one that will pick you up. I'm the lifter up your head. Hallelujah. I'm your uplifter. I am the one that will elevate you. I am the one that will promote you. Promotion doesn't come from the, come on somebody. Promotion comes from the Lord. I will lift you up. Tell them I am the truth, the way and the life, hallelujah. Let them know the one and only sent you. The one and only. There is no other. Yeah, God, help me in here. He's exclusive. The world might not like that, hallelujah, but it's the truth. I am the truth, the way, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father if not by me. There's only one way. And he is that way. And then he finishes by saying, I am the true vine. If you're going to live a fruitful life, hallelujah, you got to be connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, hallelujah. But if you're connected to me, hallelujah, you can bear much fruit and that fruit will remain. Are you blessed in here? Tell them, I am sent you. Oh God, I got to hurry up, hallelujah. You want to think that was enough, right? Two excuses, I got God, you covered them. I'm ready to go. No, he makes yet a third excuse. And here's the third excuse that he makes. People won't believe me. What if people don't believe me? It is to be unsure. When God calls you, there's going to be a level of uncertainty that comes with the gift of God on your life and the call of God on your life. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me nor listen to my voice. Suppose that they say God has not appeared unto you. God didn't appear unto you. So if they challenge me, what do I do? And God said, what is that in your hand? And he said, it's a rod. And so God said, release it. And when he released it, watch this, it became a serpent. And immediately it started moving. And he jumped back and he fled from it. It is a picture of what many, us, many of us do. God has put something in your hands and you keep running from it. And so God said, don't run from it. Take it up, hallelujah. And then he takes it up, and it becomes a rod in his hand again, almost has to say, wow, I didn't know I had that in my hands. And so watch this. God is saying, watch this. When they challenge you, release my supernatural assistance. God, help me in here. Watch this. I'm not just going with you. I'm going to manifest, God, help me in here, my presence when you get there. I'm going to send you supernatural help. If that wasn't enough, he gave him three signs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That was the first sign. The second sign he gave him was he said, put your hand in your garment. He put his hand in his garment. Take it out. He took it out, and it was white as snow. He said, oh, I have leprosy. And then God said, relax, put it back in. He put it back in, and he took it out, and it was normal again. He went, oh, shoo. And then if that wasn't enough, he gave him a third sign. And the third sign, watch this, was that he had him pour out water, and he turned the water to blood. Isn't that interesting? Three signs. If I wanted to preach, I can preach right there. Because the first one was wood. The second one was a plague that represents sin. And the third one was blood. That's how I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to get up on the cross with your sin and through my blood, I'm going to release you. God, help me in here. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. You were to think that with three signs, that would be enough. I'm going with you. 
I'm the I am God. I just gave you three supernatural signs. Let's go. He goes, no. And he comes up with another excuse. And here is the fourth excuse. I'm a terrible public speaker. God, I stutter. I am not very eloquent. I don't express myself very clearly. And God looks at him as to say, you got to check the story. God looks at him as to say, who made man's mouth? You're talking to me like I didn't know that before I called you. But yet I still called you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, go and I will be with your mouth. But Moses was intimidated. So what does God do? God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send your brother with you. And so here comes Aaron. He is going to be happy to see you. He's going to be your mouthpiece, and he's going to speak on your behalf. So watch this. Not only am I sending you supernatural help, I'm sending you natural help. Ain't God good? I'm going with you, and then I'm going to send you help that you can see on your journey. I'm going to send you a brother. I'm going to send you some fellowship. I'm going to send you some partnership. I wish I had time. I would, I would preach right there. Hallelujah. Watch this. Because the staff is not just supernatural. You look at the second definition of the word staff. If you allow me the liberty uh, of the text. Hallelujah. A staff is also a group of people God gives you to serve under you to help you get to wherever it is you got to go. And so God says, I'm not just going to give you supernatural help. I'm going to give you natural help. I'm going to give you a staff. And if you ever learn how to use your staff, your staff will open doors for you. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Watch this. If you know how to use your staff and you release it, what happened? As soon as you release your staff, they'll begin to move. Not only will they begin to move, watch this, they'll protect you from snakes. A leader who knows how to use his staff, that staff will protect that leader from snakes. God, help me in here. Are you blessed in here, church? Watch this. If you know how to use your staff and you raise them up, they will make ways where there was no way. God, help me in here. When Moses raised that staff, the Red Sea opened up. If you develop the right kind of staff and you raise them up, hallelujah, they will help you find a way to get there. Do you hear what I'm saying in here? If you know how to use your staff, they'll make water come out of a rock. They'll bring resources from places you never thought that they could come from. But because you use them, we are creative. They will help you bring in what you need to get it done. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. So watch this now. This is getting crazy, right? I, I'm going with you. I'm the I am God. I'm whatever you're going to need me to be. Amen. I'm going to give you supernatural assistance. I don't already gave you three signs. And if that's not enough, I'm going to send you people that you can see that are going to be lifters of your hands and they won't tie your hands. That's what an Aaron does on the mountain. When you're weak, he lifts your hands. He doesn't tie them. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? So you would think, that's it, Right? He's going now. After that one, he got to go. No, he makes a fifth excuse. He's got one more. And here it is. And you'll find all these in chapter 3. This one, I think, is in chapter 4. Where he basically says, I'm unwilling. You know what he tells God? Get somebody else. <laughs> after, all, after all of that, God's patient with him. He says, you know what? That's all great, but get somebody else. And the Bible says that at this point, God is done trying to answer him. At this point, the Bible says that God's anger kindles unto Moses. My question is, where are you in the process? Where, where is God dealing with you? You know, are you already at the place where you've made so many excuses? The anger of the Lord is kindled with you, wondering, hallelujah, what are you waiting for? Stop running! From my gift. Stop running from my call. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Can I just submit to you that excuses are one of the greatest enemies? They will slow you down. They will prevent you from action. Hallelujah. They are false reasons for inactivity. I said they are false reasons for inactivity. Moses is having an inferiority complex. You know what that consists of? Low self-esteem. 
Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. It is a doubt, watch this, an uncertainty of oneself. Amen? It's when you have feelings of not measuring up to certain standards. And it is keeping you from moving forward and embracing the gift of God that's on your life. At the end of the day, this is really what it is. It's an unrealistic feeling of general inadequacy. An unrealistic feeling of general inadequacy. Notice, unrealistic. Are you blessed in here? But how many of you know that after all that, Moses goes, thank the Lord. And God uses him amazingly. Are you blessed in here? Let me give you the second guy real quickly, hallelujah, because I'm running out of time real fast. Watch this. Jonah is the second guy we mentioned. When we mentioned, watch this, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, watch this, God is calling Jonah to preach to a place called Nineveh. But watch this, Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he don't feel that the people at Nineveh deserve grace. Isn't that amazing how sometimes we receive grace and then have a hard time giving it? It's almost like we forgot what God delivered us from, and now we look at people like they don't deserve deliverance. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. And watch this. Jonah, unlike Moses who is struggling with self-esteem, Jonah is struggling with pride. He's a prideful prophet who thinks that he can determine who he's going to preach to and who he's not going to preach to. And so when God says, I need you to preach to these people, he says no, and he starts going in the opposite direction. Opposite the direction of God, opposite the will of God. And so he's running. I called you to be a prophet. I gave you that gift. I gave you that office. Who told you that gift was for you? For you to decide you're not going to do it. It's not for you. It's for others. And right now, it's for Nineveh. The gift you possess. But he's running. He's running from the presence of of God. And the Bible says, I got to hurry up. The Bible says that the first thing he does, watch this, is that he goes down. And can I, you know, I could preach right there. Because here's the reality, hallelujah. When you go opposite God's will and you disobey God's call, you're not going up. You're going to begin to decline. You're going to begin to descend. You are going to begin to go down. If that's not enough, the Bible says, watch this, that he goes to Joppa and he pays the fare to get on a ship that's going in the opposite direction. Listen, when you go in God's direction, God will pay. I said, when you obey God, hallelujah, God will pick up the tab and God will pay. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when you decide I'm going my own way, opposite of God's will, you're going to pay. Put my first point up there for this guy. Being emotionally driven is costly. Oh, God help me. I said, being emotionally driven is costly. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Ooh. You know what they begin to do next? Because of what's happening, God sends a storm. You know, isn't that something? And while you say, wow, that's kind of that's harsh, you should thank God. You should thank God that when you decided that you were not going to do what God called you to do, that he came after you. See, some of you, some of you think that you're just going to get away from God that easily. That you're going to make a decision, right, that you have a call on your life, but you're not going to act on it. And God's just going to go, oh, okay, that's fine. Go ahead with your bad self. No, no, no. If that call is on your life, you got to understand that God is coming. <laughs> and somebody in here ought to praise him. You ought to praise him that when you didn't hear him the first time, he called you a second time. You ought to praise him like Samuel, that when you didn't hear him the second time, he called you a third time. Hallelujah. You ought to praise him like if you were Adam and you sinned and hid that he came after you and said, Adam, where art thou? He's that kind of God. He will come after you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so God is coming after this man. So watch this, hallelujah. He sends a storm. And now everybody on the boat is nervous because the storm is threatening to break up the ship. Can I just say something here? Don't make the mistake to assume that your decision not to do what God called you to do is only affecting you. When you, when you have a call of God on your life and you decide that you're not going to do it, you're going to affect everybody you're called to. Because again, your gift is not for you. It's for others. So when you decide that you're not going to use it, others are going to pay the price. And so everybody on the boat is threatened. 
because of the decision of one man who said no to God. Who is in trouble right now because you haven't made up your mind? Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. So here's what they begin to do. They don't know what's going on, so they just start throwing out the cargo. They start throwing out the cargo. Watch this. Put my next point up there. When you bring emotionally driven people on your boat, you will have to lose your values to keep them on. God, help me in here. Right people matter. Wrong people will hinder. Are you in this place, church? God, help me in here. Can I say something to the single people? If you're single in this place, hallelujah. If you have to lose your values to keep him, that is not a person God has assigned to be on your boat. I said if you got to lose your values to keep him. That is not a person that God has assigned onto your boat. Hallelujah. In other words, watch this. You're throwing the wrong thing overboard. You're throwing your values overboard. And in reality, you need to throw that joker overboard. He is hindering your progress. She is hindering your progress. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? As a leader, hallelujah, I'm very careful to bring, watch this, emotionally driven people onto my boat. Because I don't want to have to jeopardize my values just to keep you on my boat. Make excuses for you and cover for you. Because you're too emotional and you can't get it together. God, uh-oh. Let me stop, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Ooh. Number three. I'm almost there, saints. Emotionally driven people are insensitive to the impact your activity is having on other people. And we kind of talked about it already, hallelujah. But let me say this. Watch this. They are throwing their valuables, or watch this, their values overboard to keep this person on. And this person, Jonah, is so insensitive. He's so in his emotions right now. And he's so insensitive that the Bible says he doesn't even see that it's not a coincidence that this is happening. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he falls asleep. Now, not just falls asleep. Now, how many of you ever, ever traveled and fell asleep on public transportation? You get on the bus, you get on the train, you fall asleep. You fall asleep sitting up. Right? You might doze off a little bit. But he don't just fall asleep sitting up. The Bible says he lays down. Not only does he lay down and fall asleep, he falls into a deep sleep. Everybody in the boat is in trouble and he is insensitive to how his activity is affecting or impacting everybody on that boat. Are you in this place, church? And so watch this. They're finding themselves trying to clean up the mess he created. And so when you're all in your feelings and in your emotions, watch this, and in pride, you will expect others to clean up the mess you created. You created the mess, and yet you won't lift a finger to help clean that thing up. Insensitive. He's so insensitive, his discernment don't work. He can't see right, and he can't hear right. And everybody is being impacted by what he's doing. He's sleeping, and people are dying. There's a call of God on your life. There's a gift of God inside you. Are you sleeping on it? People's lives are being affected. Are you hearing me in here? The people are going crazy. They're like, hey, pray. Everybody pray to their God. They don't care. They're desperate. Pray. Just pray. I don't care who your God is. Pray. That's, that's, that was them. Hallelujah. They get to Jonah and they say, pray, man. And pray says, we don't, Jonah says, we don't got to pray. I know why this is happening. This is happening because of me. This is happening because of me. And if you want it to stop happening, you got to throw me. Off the boat. Ooh. And you know what ends up happening? They don't want to throw them off the boat. 
They don't want to throw him off the boat because they know that the water will kill him. It's a storm. It's threatening to break up the boat. He will not live. They don't want his blood on their hands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They don't want to throw him off. So you know what they try to do? They try to roll him. <laughs> they try to roll him into shore. In the opposite direction that God is calling him to. And so while they're trying to roll him onto shore in their own strength, the Bible says the storm got wilder. Because as long as you try to roll yourself, you are not going to get there. Not only are you not going to get there, you ain't going to go anywhere. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. And so watch this. Jonah tells them, if you want this to stop, throw me off the boat. Now, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that because you know that you created this problem. You know that this is happening because of you. So why don't you just jump off? <laughs> have you ever thought about that? Hallelujah. I don't know. I'm crazy. Just, I, have you ever thought about that? You know you're the problem. Why are you telling them to throw you off? Hallelujah. But when you're in pride, when you're all in your emotions, you always expect other people to do for you what you're supposed to do for yourself. If you know that you are the problem, walk the plank. And throw yourself off. Am I telling the truth in here? Well, how many of you in this place know? If Jonah were here, he will tell you. If you are running with a proud conscience... You are liable to be swallowed up. Running in pride will get you swallowed up. Amen. The water will kill him. But isn't God amazing? The Bible says God prepared a fish. He prepared. Now, I don't even know exactly what that means. All I know is that he lived underwater for three days. So whatever God did to that fish made it so that a man could live, breathe, inside the fish, underwater, for three days. He prepared a place for him to be alone, watch this, with God long enough to come to himself. And sometimes God will put you in a tight place. And what you see as punishment is actually protection. In other words, it's tight, but it's right. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Because the water would have killed him. That fish actually saved him. And so he, don't, he might not like it. Can I help you in here? Do not be offended at the vehicle God sends to pick you up. When you were the one that disobeyed and went in the opposite direction. You ought to just be glad he sent something to come and get you and save you. From you. Oh, God, I wish I had a church in here. Hallelujah. You over here waiting for a Norwegian and he sends a fish. Hallelujah. You ought to be glad he sends something to come and get you. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. I got about six minutes. Somebody shout, you can do it. Let me, let me talk to you about the last person. The last person's name is Joseph. He is the husband of Mary. Amen. Can I just start with a statement here? Put that next statement. Here's my first statement for Joseph. Just because it has your name on it does not mean it's for you. Just because it has your name on it does not mean that it is for you. Can I help you in here? Some of you, you know, because it's the Christmas season, those trees are being collected under that tree, right? And, and you're anticipating that some of those presents have your name on it. And you know that if it has your name on it, it's your gift. Amen? But that's not the way the kingdom works. In the kingdom, even though the gift has your name on it, it does not mean that it's for you. I said it could have your name on it, but it's not for you. Your gift, you possess it, but it's not for you. It's for others. It's for God's glory. God, help me in this place. You possess it, but watch this. Like the parable of the talents, you've been called to steward it. And the master's coming back to ask the question, what did you do with the gift? 
that I gave you. You're being held accountable for that gift. So don't sit on it like the third guy in the parable did. Are you in this place? Ooh, how many of you know that when, when you get a gift, it evokes joy? Now, I don't know about you, but I get kind of happy when I get a gift. Amen. And uh, ain't no problem. You know, nothing wrong with receiving a gift. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, some of you have been asking for particular gifts, and, and a loved one is going to get you that gift. And when you open it, you're going to have to act like you're surprised when you already knew that that's exactly what you were going to get. But you still got to act surprised. Amen. The gift still evokes joy, right? Amen. It, 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 it makes you happy. You know, you feel amazing. Uh, but God's gifts, yeah. God's gifts are a little different. Amen. They will evoke joy eventually. But usually in the beginning, what they evoke is confusion. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of chaos and maybe even some chatter. Oh, uh, y'all want, okay, y'all want to go. Hallelujah. Can I get real for a little bit? Joseph is thinking to himself, is this gift from God or is this a plot from the enemy to destroy me? Because this, this, this don't feel right. Now, he should feel good that God chose the woman he chose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? She's carrying not just a gift, but the gift. It's not just their gift. It's not just her gift. It's their gift. And he's getting ready to do what the last man in the parable did, which is to put it. Away. Don't put it away. Don't put it away. He is worried and he is upset. Put my next point up there. I'm almost done. God's gift worries you before it blesses you. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? God's gift worries you before it blesses you. It could be flat out intimidating. I would even dare say it's scary. That ain't faith. No, that's just the truth. When God calls you to do something great, it will intimidate you before it blesses you. He's not thinking about how he's going to get closer to Jesus right now. He's not talking about developing that gift or getting closer uh, or maturing uh, concerning that gift. He's thinking to himself, how can I get out of this? Which is what many people do when God confronts them with his call and his gift on their life. They try to avoid it before they embrace it. Do I have a church in here? Just quietly show me the door and I'm out of here. But how many of you in here know that you really don't know what's in a gift until you unwrap it? I said, you really don't know what's in a gift until you unwrap it. Are you blessed in here, church? I'm landing the plane. Sometimes it's not even the gift itself. It's what it's wrapped in. Because how many of you know that God's gifts can come wrapped in problems? Sorry, nobody stirred nothing. They can come wrapped in situations and circumstances that are somewhat challenging. And if you're not careful, Careful fear will paralyze you from embracing the gift of God and cause you, watch this, to put away something prematurely that God was fixing on using to bless you. And so he's getting ready to put away what God is getting ready to use to bless him. And if I wanted to take it to the extreme, he's putting away Jesus, which is his redemption. Are you in this place, church? Let me finish. Don't let fear keep you from embracing God's gift. Amen? Don't let the fear of opinions. Yeah, I think that's one of the, Don't let the fear of opinions. Uh, can I just help you in here? People are always going to say something. Uh, Joseph could easily be thinking to himself, you know what? What are people going to say? When I marry this woman and they found out that the baby she's carrying is not mine, they're not going to believe me when I say it's God's baby. <laughs> it don't care. It don't matter if I change my voice, sound like God when I say it. It, it is not going to be. They're going to talk. They're going to 
talk. People are going to talk. It's because you're gifted that they're talking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're on hell's hit list because you're gifted. Are you in this place, church? Jesus could not make everybody happy. That should not be your mission. You are not going to, no matter how hard you try, they talked about Jesus, they walked away from Jesus, they betrayed Jesus, it's, it's going to happen. Jesus said, you can be sure of this one thing, offenses will come. People will offend you and you will offend somebody. It's just the reality. Amen. Not me, yeah, you. So listen, I just decided that in 2019, I'm going to shake off the fear and let my gift bless me. I said, I'm going to shake off the fear and let my gift bless me. God, let me behave. I got to close. Another fear is fear of supply. Will, will God fund this thing? Will, will God send provision? Amen. Can I, can I afford this call? Can I really walk in this responsibility that has been entrusted unto me? Because sometimes, ah, we got to land the plane. Sometimes we become so concerned with the cost, we can't enjoy the meal. You know, every now and again, I like to take my wife to a nice restaurant. And I, when I say nice, I don't mean chilies. <laughs> Let me just throw that out there. Hallelujah. When I, when I mean nice, I'm talking about the restaurant that when you read the menu, there are no prices at the end of it. That's the kind of restaurant I'm talking Because there, the reason there ain't no prices at the end of it is because it's expensive. <laughs> and and if, you, if you're always calculating, I'm, that's me, I'm a calculator, amen. If you're always calculating, if you're not careful, you will let the, the worry or the concern of how much this is going to cost keep you from enjoying the meal. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. If it's God's choice, it's God's invoice. You need to just trust God and walk in purpose. And God will fund your vision. God, help me in here. I got to... Ah! He will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. Joseph ain't broke. Joseph ain't broke. He tries to get in the inn, and the reason he don't get in the inn is not because he don't have money. It's because it's full, which allows you to know that you need provision that money can't buy. There are blessings that money can't buy that you need if you're going to get to where God is leading you to. And God will give you the stuff that money cannot buy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because God already has a prepared place for you. And so watch this. Do not be discouraged. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but watch this. Do not be discouraged when a door gets shut in your face. Because when a door gets shut in your face, it is a sign that God's getting ready to open another one. When they shut the door on him and tell him there's no room in the inn, it's because God has another place for you. Hallelujah. And God, oh, I love God. He can bless you in a barn. I say he can bless you in the place you thought you could not be blessed. But that's how he gets glory. Are you in this place, church? Whew. Somebody come up here and play, play something for me. I'm landing the plane. Hallelujah. I wonder if I got anybody here that can praise God for shut doors. We do real good praising God for open doors, but sometimes you got to praise God for closing one. You might not see it right now, but later in retrospect, as you look back, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't let me do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the last thing I want to say, and then I want to ask everybody to hang out because we got to do one more important thing before we leave today, okay? So please be patient with me today. Amen. The last thing is fear of direction. Fear of direction. Will God direct me? Will God guide me? Will God show me what to do next? And I hear God telling somebody in this place, I'm leading you out of the box. I'm leading you, hallelujah, out of normalcy. 
I'm leading you to a place you thought you could not be blessed. Woo. But understand that from the moment you embrace the gift, there's a blessing I already have on the move towards you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's in, it's, in the, it's in the picture of the wise men that are coming. And those wise men are coming to bless and prophesy. You embrace the gift. And the moment you embrace the gift, I had them moving. They're following a star that I was directing that was going to lead them straight to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's what's intimidating, hallelujah. That's not the only group that's interested in your gift. Because there are those that want to come to bless it. And then there are those that want to come to kill it. And that's Herod. And Herod represents that other party that's interested in your gift. But not to bless it. But to kill it. And this is why it's important for you to be in the right place. If he's in the end, they find him. But God already had a prepared place where Herod could not touch him. Are you in this place, church? And let me close with this statement right here. This is what I love about God. Have you ever been overwhelmed in your mind? Let me try, let me try this side over here. Hallelujah. Have you ever been overwhelmed in your mind? Here's what I love about God. Even though Joseph is overwhelmed in his mind during the day, God comes to speak to him in his dreams. <laughs> you didn't hear what I just said. You were to think that God would go, you know what? You got too much on your mind. There's too much traffic in there. I'm done. God says, you're overwhelmed. Imagine, he's so overwhelmed. How is this possible? How are you carrying a baby that did not come from a man? I just can't. I just can't. It's, it's killing me. My mind is overwhelmed, and God waits till he falls asleep and visits him in the night watch and says, this thing that Mary is carrying is of God. I don't know who I'm talking to in this place, but this thing that you're carrying is of God. And here's the word of the Lord for you. Here's the word of the Lord. Shut up. Here's the word of the Lord. Here's the word of the Lord to you. If you didn't start it, don't be, concerning, don't be concerned over how it's going to end. If you didn't start, watch this. Watch what the angel tells Joseph. I'm in the text. Watch what he says. Joseph, you didn't start this. What Mary's carrying is of God. And if God started it, why are you worried? Because he's a great finisher. He who has begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if God started it, why are you concerned over how it's going to end? If it started right, it's going to end right. Can you bless the Lord in this place? Come on, give God some praise in here. Oh, come on, somebody who says, that word is for me. That word is stop running from your gift. You have a gift from the Lord. Hallelujah. You possess it, but you don't own it. And the master's coming back to ask the question, what did you do with the gift I gave you? Are you blessed in here? Are you blessed in here? Anybody receive the word of the Lord on today? Anybody hear God clearly? Hallelujah. 2019. It's time to stop running. It's time to stop running. It's time to stop running. It's time to stop making excuses like Moses. Hallelujah. It's time to stop. It's time to come out of pride. Hallelujah. Like Jonah and just do exactly what God is saying. Woo! Hallelujah. I've been chasing you. 
coming after you, hallelujah, to draw out what I put in you. Woo! Are you blessed, church? Are you really blessed, church? Every gift God ever gave me, can I be transparent in here? Scared me half to death. When God told me to leave my family in New York and come out to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, where there's no family here, that scared me. When God called me to preach, when I told my wife you would never catch me up there, that scared me. When God called me to pastor this church, that scared me. But each time, I embraced it. And every time I embraced it, God blessed it. God, help me in here. Are you hearing? 